What's up, Hawks fans, and welcome to episode two of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. I'm Luke. Joining me once again today is Abe. Abe. Uh, uh, we're uh, let's see. I got my I got my Negroni. I'm drinking here. Abe, you got look uh, looks like a spiked Arnold Palmer. Yes. Nice. It's good actually choice. pretty good. Good choice. It looks. How many ounces is that can? It's gigantic. It's bigger than your water bottle, almost. Twenty four. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Uh, so diving right into some news here. Um, uh, so, uh, coach Q recently said that, uh, the date that they were targeting for Crawford to return to the lineup, uh, and go back to starting games was October 18th. Last we heard that is still the target. Uh, how do you feel about that? Think it'll happen? Um, I think so. Based on now that he's taking shots from the team and participating in practices, what next Thursday? So yeah, I, I see it. I see it. I see that being the target date for sure. Sticking with it. Yeah, uh, it seems it seems fairly likely to me. I think if they were gonna uh, set that date back at all, they probably would have done so by now. I guess the the real question on my mind is how many games is he going to start this year? Because you can't figure that he's gonna start, you know, fifty, sixty games like he would in a, a healthier season. I think they're gonna play it by ear, just see how, see how he holds up like for his first start, and probably play it into this to the schedule, like obviously no back to backs, mm -hmm. or maybe. Maybe play like every third or fourth game for, to start. So. I mean, it's tough to decide. I mean, unless they feel like he's absolutely ready to go from the very beginning, and just give him that huge workload. Yeah, um, he's, I, I know he's medically cleared to play and everything. Uh, I think probably the, the biggest hurdle coming back will be his, uh, his conditioning because he's, he hasn't played a game in like 11 months and it's, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be, you know, he's not gonna come back and put up like a 940 save percentage his first game probably, um. He's he'll probably go a couple of months with like a uh, I don't I, I don't know I don't want to throw out like specific numbers or anything but um, if if he if his first like month back he is if if say his first like ten games back he's at like a nine ten then I'll be happy uh, frankly uh, so but yeah I agree with you when you say that uh, they'll play it by ear I I think that's that's definitely what will happen. I, I could maybe see him starting, like no more than forty games this year, uh, and they've already got. Let's see. By the time he, if he does start against Arizona, they would already have played five games. So. That would be, uh, math is hard. Uh, like thirty? No, like forty. Uh, 42, 42 games for uh, Cam Ward or Anton Forsberg. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> considering how poorly Ward has been for the team, granted, it's not just him. It's the defense is literally ass. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it, it really is. You know, let's, let's talk about, uh, I got some more news bullet points here to, uh, you know, let's, let's finish this up. Um, so we got Duncan Keith's 1000th NHL game coming up tonight. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, October 13th before the game at home against St. Louis. Uh, Duncan Keith will be playing his 1000th NHL game, uh, just a little bit behind Seabrook's 1000th NHL game. That was last year. Uh, uh, if you guys recall, that was actually the same. He kind of got uh, cast out of the spotlight that night, Seabrook, because that was the, the Scott Foster game. Uh, it was also Dylan Sequeira's first game in the NHL, so like he really got passed over uh, in the spotlight. Um, yeah, so uh, quite, a, quite a career for Duncan Keith. Two Norris trophies, a Conn Smythe, three Stanley Cups. Yeah, big time Hall of Famer. Like, yeah, no doubt about it. For sure, for sure. And now, now they've got him playing alongside uh, Henry uh, Yoki Haru. I guess it's Yoki Haru. I, you know, I looked at their official pronunciation guide recently, and it said that it was Joki Haru, uh, but they keep uh, like uh, Pat and Edzo. They keep saying Yoki Haru during the in-game broadcast, and I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah, uh, even on the radio broadcast, like Troy Brower and Pat Mer- Pat Murray, I, I hear them also just calling him Yoki Haru, so... Yeah, because he's got the two J's in his name, which could, like, potentially also, like, be, like, Y sounds. So I've heard every permutation. I've heard Yoki Haru, Yoki Harju, Yoki Haru, Yoki Harju. It's, it's all over the place. I, this is why I have trust issues. <clears throat> um, uh, so also tonight's game... Uh, we're going to see the, uh, uh, the, the Schmaltz brothers face off in the NHL for the first time. Uh, maybe even literally. Maybe even literally they'll face off together. I, I don't know if Jordan Schmaltz is a, a center or if, he's, if he even takes face-offs, but I, I, I could, it could happen. It looks like Abe's going to look that up for me so I don't make an ass of myself. Yeah, I, no, I, I thought you meant like literally face off. Like they're going to get into a fight with each other. Which would be pretty funny. That would be funny. Then their dad can call them later on and yell at them. <laughs> what the hell were you guys thinking? They probably had actual fights together. Um, so that'll that'll be uh, cool for them. I'm sure their parents are very conflicted. Oh, he's a D-man. Oh, he's a defenseman? Uh, defensemen sometimes take face-offs. Uh, especially if, like, you're, uh, uh, you, you know, in the, the newer uh, NHL rules where they're, like, really cracking down on face-offs and... It's it's possible that they could literally face off against one another, but that or <clears throat> Jordan's gonna smash Nick into the glass or the boards. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, <clears throat> okay, so uh, recently, uh, Mark Lazarus tweeted out the official uh, Bovada odds of uh, who the next NHL coach to be fired will be. Now, uh, last season was actually kind of an anomaly because usually at least one coach is fired in the middle of the season, but not a single one was last year. I think, um, now my personal theory is that maybe it had to do with the fact that some teams were waiting. There were a couple of coaches that were kind of on the hot seat, like Barry Trotz with the Capitals and um, uh, Joel Quinville. Uh, People didn't know if he was going to come back this year. Uh, So maybe some of these teams were kind of in a market for a new coach were waiting it out to see if, you know, one of these, uh, one of these future Hall of Famer coaches. Well, I don't know about Trotz, but 
uh, he was definitely a future Hall of Famer coach. Uh, to, to wait and see if one of these guys was going to uh, get fired and start looking for a new job. Uh, because, you know, uh, if, if Q gets... When Q parts ways with the Blackhawks, if he's, if he's still looking to uh, uh, coach some more, then he's not going to have any trouble finding a job. Oh, no. I, I'm pretty sure even if he was to get fired, I'm pretty sure some other team would fire their coach and hire Quenville <laughs> right away. That would be the smart thing to do, especially if you're like the Wild with Bruce Boudreau, the, uh, the master of playoff mediocrity. <clears throat> is, that, is that who it was that fired their coach like just out of the blue because he, the, co- the coach got fired from the other team and they just picked them up right away? Or was it? I forgot what team it was. I don't recall. That they, they um, fired their head coach just to hire the other coach that was, m- like, more experienced, more, just a better coach overall. I, I don't I don't recall. Uh, Boudreaux, he started coaching the Wilds the beginning of last season. This was after, uh, I think it was 16-17. They fired their coach mid-season, and they had Mike Yeo as the interim coach. And he saw he, he saw that season to the end. And then he's now coaching with the Blues, who fired Ken Hitchcock, I think midway through two seasons ago or something. I, I'm probably mixing up my seasons, but um, uh, yeah, Yeo's with uh, the Blues now, and Boudreaux is with the Wild, and who knows how long he's going to be with the Wild. Is Hitchcock still coaching? Uh, Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Uh, no, no. He he coached the Stars last year. They missed the playoffs, and then he officially retired. Oh, I I think that's who it was, Hitchcock. I think it was the one that he stepped away from the Blues, and they, and it got picked up right away. Like he stepped down from the Blues. Was that him? I I can't remember. Maybe the. He he definitely didn't step away from the Blues though. They fired him because uh, uh, they were having a real bad stretch uh, the first half of the season. Um, so anyway, here, here are some of these uh, Bovada odds. Uh, number one most likely coach to be fired uh, from the NHL this season. Not, not from the NHL, but uh, the number one NHL coach to be fired this season from the team that he's currently coaching is uh, Todd McClellan of the Edmonton Oilers. That's 50, uh, 11-5 to odds. Uh, what do you think Edmonton's going to do this year, just as a team? Do you think they're going to get back to the playoffs? I mean, they probably can. They they made the playoffs last season, right? They did not. They did not. They, they they made the playoffs two seasons ago. They advanced to, was it the conference finals? I think they got to the conference finals. No. They they won at least one round. They they looked they looked like a future competitor, and everyone expected them to make the playoffs, and everyone expected uh, Connor McDavid to win the Hart, and that was a whole debate. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I can definitely see why he's on the hot seat when you've got the best player in hockey on your roster. Then you know management really needs to step up and start working for some cups. Yeah, they lost in the second round to the yeah. Bucks in seven games. That's right, that's right. Uh, that was the year that the Ducks lost to Nashville in the conference finals. That mm-hmm. was the year that Nashville uh, lost in the final to Pittsburgh. Yeah. 
Um, so the second most likely coach to be fired this season is uh, uh, Guy Bouchure. I think it's Guy. Looks like Guy. Those French names are weird. Uh, Guy Bouchure at uh, 12 to 5 odds. Now, he is the coach of the Ottawa Senators, um, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Ottawa, Ottawa's a shit show. Like, honestly, can, can we just talk about how much of a shit show Ottawa is? Like, they, they traded Mike Hoffman to San Jose, who immediately flipped him to Florida for an even better deal. Like, if, if you look at the details of the trade, I don't remember the details, but, like, they, they traded, um, they traded, like, a, like, a, a one, like, biggish name, uh, and a couple of prospects and some picks, and then they flipped them right away, and they basically upgraded the picks that they traded away. It was ridiculous. Uh, they traded Eric Carlson to, um, San Jose for, like, a couple of first and second rounders, which is, like, not really a steep price to pay for uh, the best defenseman in hockey right now. Except maybe save for the fact that he's got like one or two years left on his contract. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the conditions in the, uh, the Carlson trade was that he could not be traded to an Eastern Conference team. Yeah. Which makes no sense to me because... Unless Ottawa is expecting to compete for a playoff spot, why does it matter to them what conference he plays in? Everything is just so it doesn't come back and bite them in the ass. Like, ends up somehow being traded to a contender in the East if for some reason the Sharks are just doing so terribly, but I don't see it happening. Still, though, if, if Carlson ends up in the East, I don't really see how that's a problem for Ottawa because they're... I. I guess they're officially rebuilding. If they're not officially rebuilding, then they should be because it's a shit show over there. <laughs> Matt Duchesne is uh, toiling in obscurity because he requested a trade from Colorado because he wanted to get back in the playoffs. See how that worked out? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, okay, so number three is definitely the most interesting one on this list here. Uh, Coach Quinville, Coach Quinville, Quinville uh, at 11-4 to odds to be fired this season. Uh, to be, or I should say, to be the next coach fired this season. Um, we talked a little bit about this on the last podcast. Uh, go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. Uh, we've kind of set up our expectations for whether we think Q could be fired this season or not. Um, I think a lot of that depends on how the, the Blackhawks perform in the first couple of months. And uh, uh, let's... So let's actually talk about the Blackhawks' first uh, four games of the season. Uh, so of those four games, all four of them have gone to overtime. Uh, the Hawks have blown, I think, four leads... Like, they had four leads, and they blew them all. Maybe it was six leads. I don't know. They blew every single lead that they had. Uh, and they also overcame... I think three, actually. Three? Because they were trailing. They were trailing against mm. them. Well, I guess at some point, yeah, they did blow their lead against Toronto, but... you keep, uh, We keep saying blow their lead, and I just think blow their load, because that's how my mind works. Um, uh they, they blew every lead that they had in regulation, and then they also 
they overcame all seven deficits that they had, which is crazy. And it really, uh, it makes me not know what to expect from this team. Um, their record right now is 2-0-2. and two. So they've got six points of a possible eight points in the standings, which is not the worst position you could be in. It's probably uh, better than a lot of people expected. So what are, how do you feel about this team four games in? Um, honestly, it's a little concerning. I yeah. mean, granted, I feel like the start is definitely much better than what I thought they would be. Although, i got to say that game against Toronto was just so entertaining. It really was. I'm glad I was there. But, no, I mean, considering four straight games to start the season with overtime, it's a little concerning because, let's say Crawford comes back healthy and the defense ends up improving quite a bit over the next few games through the season and we somehow end up being making the playoffs, those overtime, all those overtime games are going to add up Mm -hmm. so if you keep getting into overtime games that team is going to enter the playoffs if they make it much more fatigued than a normal team would i mean granted it's only five minutes but yeah it adds up i can see that um you said if if crawford comes back healthy which is a possibility we really don't know what to expect from that at this point um and if the defense improves which uh, there's a good chance that it could because uh, we do have we do have Yoki Haru and we have uh, Keith playing seemingly better than last season. Uh, we've got a, uh, a a lighter, faster Seabrook, um, and but we've also got uh, Murphy's out right now. He's out until uh, November or December with a back injury. In injury, Jesus Christ, man, one Negroni and you're already slurring. I know, I know. I swear to drunk, I'm not God. Um, and then we got Forsling, who's out. Now, Forsling is not a big impact guy, uh, at least not to the degree of... Mm, I don't want to say that, like, uh, Connor Murphy is the difference between a playoff team and a non-playoff team, but he was probably our most consistent... Uh, and one of our better goal, uh, um, uh, defensemen last season. So when he comes back, I think there's there's definitely going to be a, a tangible difference in the way that they play uh, and the quality of their defense. Um, Forsling, he's, he's been kind of a tweener for the last couple of years. This could maybe be the season that he breaks out and shows that he's actually like really an NHL defenseman. Uh, but the point of all that was that I'm... I think there's there's a re- very real possibility that their defense could genuinely improve, you know, in December or January once these guys are back and they've got a couple games under their belt and they're more acclimated to the season, um, and then by then presumably Crawford will be back and he'll have played a dozen games or so and he'll be feeling better and he'll uh, hopefully be back to his uh, nine twenty nine thirty save percentage. Uh, two goals against self. Hopefully, that's that that's that's what we want. Yeah, you know my other concern too. Now that I just remembered, all of a sudden, is the power play. Oh my goodness, they. Yeah, I I really don't know why Kevin Janine sells a job. Yeah, 
He's been with the team what three seasons, two three seasons now. Uh, it's it's been a while. It's been a couple of years, and the power play has been awful that entire time. Yeah, it feels like it got even worse since he joined the team. Yeah. Uh, now the the Hawks have never had like an amazing power play even during the cup years, but they did have during those cup years they had like a top ten uh, penalty kill. Uh, now our penalty kill so far this season has not been great. Uh, I'm not willing to put a whole lot of stock in that at this point because, you know, first month of the season, everyone's like, everyone forgets how to defend and there's like, there's this acclimation period. There's new guys on every team. Kevin quite figured it out yet. Everyone's scoring 50 goals a night. It's, it's crazy. Um, but I lost my train of thought. But, uh, yeah, uh, Deneen has to go or something because this, in today's NHL, when it's this hard to score at 5-on-5, five five, you really need to capitalize on, you know, 15, 20% of those power play opportunities if you want to score. Yeah, we're, what, one for, like, 15 on the season? Something like that. It, it was, like, number 13 that we finally scored on uh, the other night against the Wild. Uh also, speaking of the power play, uh, let's talk about that shit show of a power play at the end of the third period. Like, we should have won that game. We should have won that game in regulation. We had a one-goal lead. We had, like, a minute and 17 seconds of a power play uh, just, like, left in regulation. It was... And then, um, uh, somehow, we... We won the we won the face off. We won that last face off, and then uh, they they got it and they put it in, and then we lost in overtime. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm glad that we got a point out of that game, but it like we really should have won that one. Yeah. Was... Yeah, and it's just that's one of the things, and I don't know. I don't know if any like special teams coaches haven't been fired like during the regular season. It's usually like those types of moves tend to be like an off season type thing. Yeah. But I mean I would hope for the sake of the team that they just can Deneen and <clears throat> like soon because the power play is just so bad and that's been one of the team's Achilles heels for a few seasons now. So. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at daily face-off right now. I don't know if this is the... I don't know if these are the line combinations that they had against Minnesota or if this is just current. But our first power play unit is Schmaltz, Taves, Debrinket, Kane, Joki Haru. Mm-hmm. Yoki Haru, whatever. The second power play unit is Saad, Anisimov, Cahoon, Gustafson, Heath. Um, I, I feel like Keith needs to be swapped for Seabrook on the power play just because Seabrook has a much harder shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, where's... Uh, Although I do got to say, moving Yogi Haru to the first power play unit Seem to have seems to have improved the first squad a bit. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good offensive minded uh, defenseman. He's 
you know, a lot of these young guys, you got to shore them up defensively um, their first couple of seasons in the league. But uh, he's he's really good at, you know, uh, like moving the puck and creating chances. Yeah, and his shots have led to some pretty good rebounds that the team hasn't been able to capitalize on. So Yeah, he's uh, he's got five assists on the season, I think. Or was that after three games? Um, I think that was after the third one. Was that after the third one? Um, uh, let's see, hockey reference. I gotta look this up. Uh, he's got, yeah, okay, okay. So through four games, he's got five assists. Um, so five points. And a couple of days ago, it might be different now. That was best in the league. Uh, or at least among defensemen, I think. Um, which is, it's pretty crazy. For a rookie, he's, he's really, uh, he's really shining. Um, so these, these power play units, Schmaltz, Taves, Debrinkit, uh, Yogi Haru, Kane, they, I don't know if there's like, like a defensive deficiency here. Like, I know you want to put your most offensive players out there for the greatest chance of scoring a goal, but it seems like, it seems like, like the power play, all we do is we chase the puck. Like they'll they'll dump it back into our zone and we'll chase it down and then it becomes a track meet. Or like they've got possession the whole time. Or you get those shorthanded goals with like 28 seconds left in regulation like we did against the Wild. See, I, I, think, I don't think it's that. I think the problem is that they're too predictable on the power play. It's a lot of cycling, a lot of cycling... That. Yeah, they then, do the umbrella. Yeah, they keep and... cycling it. Then they do a couple passes and set up a shot, mm-hmm. which I from time to time will work. But I, the problem is that they're, the Hawks are, have just become too predictable. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, that, oh my God, I was, I, I was at the home opener against Toronto, and that, uh, that uh, four-minute double minor that they had... That, like, you have to score on that. When you have four minutes of a power play, you have to score on that. They did not get a single shot on goal. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they got a single shot on goal during that entire power play, which, that's just, no. It's, that's bad. That, that is very bad. Like, they probably should have fired Kevin Deneen after that shift. Um, so that really, yeah, they, Kevin Deneen has to go. I'm sorry. I know he's Coach Q's friend and everything, but he's got he's to gotta go. It's, it's just not working. Yeah, and I really think that's what, the only reason why he's still with the team. Yeah, and it's crazy because it's not the first time that they've, they've acknowledged the power play is a problem. They'll, they'll do like their, their they'll, you know, like you said, they'll, they'll cycle the puck for 30 seconds and they'll do the umbrella and then like they'll take a shot and then it gets dumped back to their end and then... Uh, then, you know, they'll go, like, 0 for 4 on the power play one night, and they'll be like, yeah, our power play is not that good. We're looking at ways to change it up. And then the next night, they'll do, like, one or two shifts where it looks promising. They'll get, you know, three, four shots on goal, and uh, maybe they'll go, like, one for four or something. And then they'll go right back to doing, like, cycle the puck, do the umbrella, dump and chase, uh, track meet. It's, I, I, I don't know. And that's one of the other things that, has caught up with the Hawks too. Just one of the things that they had a huge advantage during those cup years was that they were a puck possession team that could pretty much outskate any team. 
Yeah. Whereas it seems like a good chunk of the league has finally caught up to them and surpassed them in that aspect. <clears throat> so that's been one of the things, too, that the team has just been... Like, they've been brought back down from where they were to being somewhat of a mm-hmm. mediocre to slightly better than, like, three-quarters of the league team, but... Yeah. Yeah, they, um... The the Hawks were innovators in a lot of ways, and they, by now, like, the the league is caught up with them, and they're, they're still kind of doing the old shit, and it's not, it's not as effective as it used to be. Like, like you said, they, they used to be, like, a premier puck possession team, and now, and now it's all about speed, because... Uh, if you can outskate the other team, then a lot of the time you can, uh, you know, if you can outskate their defensemen, you can you can get in close to the goal and you can create those opportunities that lead to goals and uh, also things like uh, uh, you know back in like I think it was two thousand four when ESPN declared the Blackhawks the worst franchise in sports. You know, this is when uh, this is before Bill Wirtz died and Rocky took over. Um, they were like, uh, there's a reason that, uh, uh, Bill Wirtz's nickname was Dollar Bill. Uh, he was just so cheap. And like when they would send the guys home over the summer, they would give them like these generic bags. They didn't even give them like bags with like the team logo on them. Like the guys had to buy their own sticks. They didn't feed them. Uh, it was, it was really bad. And then Rocky came along and, uh, he hired John McDonough and John McDonough was like, all right, I got this. And, uh, he like, he started like asking them like, what do you guys want? And he started like putting them up in like the Ritz Carlton and he, they'd be like, all right, what kind of stick do you use? Like, you know, they, they bring in a free agent or something. It'd be like, what kind of stick do you use? We'll overnight it to you. Just things like that. Like they, it was a destination team and that's why a lot of, uh, a lot of free agents would, you know, take a discount to come here because other teams weren't treating their players that well. Uh, but the point of what I'm trying to say is that the Blackhawks, they used to be ahead of the curve, and now they are, they're kind of falling behind it, mm-hmm. because everyone else is caught up. And yeah, I would say the best example of, like, a team that caught the Blackhawks and has now surpassed them is Nashville, because mm-hmm. that's one, that's, to me, like, that's one of the teams that, like, seem to model themselves after the Blackhawks, and have just completely surpassed them in that aspect of a puck possession team that has a pretty solid defense mm-hmm. core and I mean Pecorine is Pecorine. Yeah. But also <clears throat> like uh what's it gonna say? Um yeah, just I mean, they pretty much become the hawks of those cup seasons. Yeah, I would even go so far as to say that Nashville has at least last season, I'd say that Nashville had the best defensive core in the league. Um, they were kind of limited for having only like, like, like a dynamic top line and like, like a steep drop off after that, but they had definitely the best defense and, uh, obviously a Vezina calendar caliber goaltender with a really promising backup. Um, I don't know if they're the best defense in the league this year. That remains to be seen because like you got San Jose who have, uh, uh, Carlson, Burns and Vlasic over there, like three Norris trophies between them. But, um, yeah, yeah, it, uh, it really sucks that Nashville's in our division. 
Um, I lost my, my document here. Um, <clears throat> all right, so uh, a morning skate the other day, uh, Brandon Saad was demoted to the fourth line. He's really been pretty invisible these last couple of games. He has, I want to say like two points or something like that in the first couple of games. He's, he's, you know, he's creating scoring chances and stuff, but he's yet to uh, put, in, put anything in the back of the net. Yeah, it's still pretty early in the season, though, and I don't feel like last season he got off to a... Like, I think last season he struggled to find his groove with the team. Yeah. I feel like this season he can bounce back. I mean, it's still early, so he has time, but... Yeah, so he's got one assist. Uh, one assist, zero plus minus. Um, uh, seven shots. Seven shots on goal. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's been a pretty rough for him the first couple of games, but uh, we'll see if we'll see if he can turn things around. I think he's the one he's the one player that everyone expected to have a, like a serious bounce back season. Uh, instead, we're getting vintage Jonathan Taves, at least through the first four season, uh, the first four games of the season. He's got he's got eight points. In four games, that's a, a two point per game pace, which is obviously unsustainable. But uh, I wouldn't mind if Jonathan Taves finished the season with 164 points. Yeah, I mean for Taves, I feel like a good season, like a bounce back, if he can keep it up, would be about 80, 80, 90 points. Yeah, that would be that would be just phenomenal. That's like an Andre Kopitar uh, caliber rebound. Um, so, uh, yesterday on Friday, the, the Hawks, this is just, this is just funny. Um, they, they had a mannequin at practice that they were, uh, uh, they had it set up as like a defend, uh, uh, like a goalie screen. Um, and the, uh, the, the jokes were coming in from Twitter and they were, uh, they're pretty, they're pretty golden. Uh, this one guy said, uh, just like Schmaltz doesn't shoot. <laughs> Uh, I've I've noticed that too. Uh, Schmaltz has kind of like regressed to his his rookie season self, where he he would defer a lot. He would pass the puck to uh, you know uh, Taves or Kane or whoever he was on a line with instead of uh, trying to capitalize on opportunities. Um, uh, it stands latest free agent signing with no movement clause. That's just funny. That's just funny because he's a mannequin. He doesn't move. Also, Stan Bowman hands out a lot of free movement, uh, no movement clauses. I think the funniest one that you sent me was um, the one about says Joe Quenville on Chicago's favorite mannequin and whether he fits under the Blackhawks salary cap. We've got another one too. We might have to be selective putting them both on the ice at the same time, so we'll have to figure that out. That's great. That was a pretty good one. I love that. Okay, so how do you feel about Henry uh, Yoki Haru's first four games? He's been rather impressive. Like, I, I'm amazed how well he's been playing for the team. I mean, granted, a couple of teams that we played were just like Ottawa. I mean, not the greatest team. Yeah. But, I mean, the Blues, the Wild, the Maple Leafs, like, he, like, he definitely... Like, to me, he's definitely a top four on the team right now, defenseman. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, I think it also helps that he's he's been paired with Keith on that top pairing for uh, that. I mean, it's good for him because he he gets to learn from the best. Mm-hmm. Um, it also it also tells me that uh, Q has a lot of trust in him. Q cannot stop ranting and raving about this kid. He loves him. He's like obviously he's got the highest ceiling of any Blackhawks defenseman in quite a long time. Uh, who do you think, who do you think is the last defenseman that like was even close to as good as this kid? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, Nick Letty, you think? I think oh. so. Yeah. I would say Nick Letty before, cause he, he was pretty great for the team too. Then he took yeah. that big contract with the Islanders. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like we said earlier, he's got five points in four games. Uh, his uh, he's a, a plus three, plus minus. Uh, average time on ice is twenty minutes and twenty five seconds. That's actually not a lot. I mean, that's that's top pairing. Well, that's that's top pairing. That's like top four minutes for sure. But it's not it's not Duncan Keith minutes. Yeah, and it's, Duncan Keith is what twenty eight thirty. Yeah, it's 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 especially not Duncan Keith playoff minutes when he was he'd skate like thirty four minutes a night. Um. So yeah, uh, Yogi Haru looks really good. We'll see if he hits that that rookie wall. Where did he play? He played in um. He played for the uh the Portland Winterhawks last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are part of the WHL, I think. Uh, how many games do they have in a season? They've got um. Let's see, Western Hockey League. Wait, here we go. Here we go. Uh, how many games do you WHL? Um, oh, 68 game regular season schedule. So that's that's not far off from the NHL's 82. I don't know if he played any playoff games, but uh, so I don't know. There, I don't know if we should be too worried about him hitting that rookie wall. It's not like he's playing in one of those like obscure European leagues that play like 30 games a season. Um. Anyway, so I'm I'm really impressed with this kid. I, I have high expectations for him. Uh, as an aside, you and I were actually at the draft in Chicago when he was drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. I got pictures from that day. Yeah, that was actually really fun. It was. It was. Uh, it was a lot of waiting in lines. Yeah. Uh, Although the the highlight was definitely booming Batman. <laughs> Oh, that was that was fantastic. Like he's he's become self aware or something because people booed him and then he was like, Oh come on, you can do better than that and then like just crazy boos came raising raining down from the stands. Uh that was that was funny. I, I, I kind of like appreciate how he's embraced his role as a villain. Uh okay, so let's talk about uh uh Nashville raising their regular season banners. At their and, home opener. And all the memes that it's produced. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it so much. But let's... Alright, so they raised... At their home opener, Nashville raised three regular season banners. They raised a President's Trophy banner, a, uh, a division... Division banner. Sh- division... Division champion banner. Yes. And then they raised a... Uh, conference banner. Yeah, a, a Western Conference regular season champion banner. And a lot of people were making fun of them for it. Uh, so, so how do you feel? How do you feel about specifically each one of those banners? 
Um, so the division one definitely appropriate. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I don't know. I I would say the. I wouldn't even say the division because. Big deal. But conference ones, okay, that's definitely understandable. Like I'm okay with the conference champion mm-hmm. one, but president's trophy doesn't mean shit unless you win a cup. And division, same thing. Like, who cares? So I I kind of almost, uh, I kind of have like the opposite feelings. I think uh, I'm cool with them raising a president's trophy banner because only one team can win the president's trophy. Right. Uh, and it's, it's not a cup, but it's still... It's still quite an achievement, so I'm okay with that. Um, the, uh, however, the regular season uh, conference and division champion banners, uh, I'm I'm less a fan of. I feel like, I feel like it's for them to raise a banner, it's either got to be Stanley Cup, President's Trophy, or they have to be like the last team standing in their conference or in their division in the playoffs. And even the division, I'm I'm kind of like iffy on. It, it it feels like, you know, a lot of teams do that. Like Detroit does that. Um, the uh, uh, I think it's the Capitals. They've got a couple of Presidents Trophy banners. It's a couple of regular season banners. People made fun of them back when they did it. Um, it, it feels like a way of like padding your rafters with accolades that don't really matter. And don't really count towards anything, you know, in the grand scheme of your team's legacy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, def- I mean, definitely having the uh, the championship banners, obviously. But actually, I'm like looking at it now. I'm trying to remember what exactly they have currently at the United Center. Yeah, we got we got the. I, mean, I see presidents' trophies. I see. The cups I see division champion like champ division banners too, so I don't know. I don't know. All right, so my my personal favorite of this whole, whole ordeal was uh, uh, as much as I hate the Predators, I gotta hand it to their social media team for their self awareness because uh, just yesterday they tweeted another picture. It said, we raise more banners. And then the picture was, is the same banners, but they photoshopped them to say, uh, hottest chicken in the NHL, coldest bi- building in Nashville, and uh, regular season bachelorette party capital. Which, which that's pretty spot on, considering it, how many bachelor and bachelorette parties we saw when we went to Nashville for oh your bachelor party. That was, yeah, they were all over the place. Seriously. Um, but that was funny. I thought that was, like... Props to them for uh, their self-awareness and uh, making a really funny joke like that. Uh, Alright, so I got this athletic article here with some over-unders. And I'm going to run them past you. Uh, so these were between Mark Lazarus and Scott Powers. Okay. Um, let me run these past you. These are actually, this is posted before the season began. So we're probably going to, having seen four games of this team, we're going to have a slightly skewed perspective. But... Okay, so Patrick Kane points, 87.5, over-under. 
Oh, man. That... I would say that depends on how the team performs for this season. I am going to actually, as much as it pains me to say, I'm going to say under. Really? Yes. Okay, so he's got seven points in his first four games. Uh, let's see. Uh, so he's on pace for 143.5 points. Which is not going to happen, but I'm I'm inclined to say over. I feel like he can do better than that. Uh, he's he's done better than that most years, uh, with the exception of last year, when he only had uh, seventy something last season. Seventy seventy six points last year. Um, that was the first time actually since. Oh nine, that he was below. No, no, I lied. That was that was the first time since uh, the eleven twelve season that he was below a point per game pace. Actually, you know what? Thinking about it, I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna say over as well. You thinking over? Yeah, I'm thinking over actually. Okay. I think over. Okay. I think what what you say it was eighty seven. Eighty seven and a half. Eighty seven and a half. I think he'll finish just slightly over. I'd say, like, okay. I'm going to guess 89. Okay. I'll go with 89. I can see that. I, I, I think he'll be around 90. Um, I don't I don't know if he'll get over 100, but I can see it around 90. Uh, 100 right. would be a miracle. That would be, like, uh, when he won the Art Ross in 15-16 with 106 points. Uh, well... All right, for maybe. Yeah, eighty nine. I'm gonna stick with eighty nine. Is gonna be my number. It's gonna finish with eighty nine points. So the sixteen seventeen season, he had eighty nine points. Uh, he was playing with Panarin that year. His two best years were fifteen sixteen and sixteen seventeen. He was playing with Panarin both years. He had one hundred six and then eighty nine points. He's never actually. Other than his Art Ross year, he's never had over 90 points. So maybe it's a stretch for me to say... He is playing with Schmaltz now, though. Mm-hmm. Schmaltz is a, a good playmaker. And they've got Saad on that line. And assuming that Saad stays on that line, he's, he's at least good at creating chances. Yeah, and then so, you have a resurgent Taves on the power play. That's so true. So that could be helpful as well. That's true. All right, I'm, I'm still leaning for over. I don't know if it'll be a lot over, but... Uh, maybe like in the the area ninety. All right, Nick Schmaltz points sixty two and a half. Mm. Over or under. I'm too, I'm gonna say slightly under. I'm gonna say sixty. Okay. Um, this one's hard because I could see him hitting like exactly that number. Um, but let me look up last year. So last year, Schmaltz had 52 points in 78 games. 52? 52 points, yeah. Okay. Um, there's 21 goals and 31 assists. And so far on this season, he has four assists. Four points. Yeah, yeah four assists. There's four points in four games. So he's on pace for 82 points. Not that that'll happen, but... Um, I don't know. I think 
I want to say over. Okay. Uh, I think he'll take a step forward. He's still playing with Kane. I think uh, Kane's been working hard this offseason. I think Schmaltz has been working hard this offseason. I think I think they're both going to have pretty good years. I want to say over. Not by a lot. He's not going to blow us out of the water with like 90 points or something. He's not going to win the Art Ross. But he's still a good playmaker. I think he'll get like 65 points-ish. Okay. Um, Anisimov. 33.5 points. Over under. He is... On a third line or fourth line? He's on a third line. Third line. Center. 33. Um, I'm going to say over. Over, huh? Yeah. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 42 points. Hmm. Okay. So, let's see. His last three years with the Hawks, he had 42, 45, and then 31. Um... Yeah, I'm going to say between 40-42 is what I'm going to guess for. That's my prediction for Anisimov. Okay. I mean, granted, it's the third line. In those other seasons, he was on the second line for the most part. Yeah. He'll, he'll, probably, see, he'll probably see a lot of defensive zone starts. He'll probably see fewer minutes. Um, and then he's going to be playing with guys like... Uh, he'll probably have Saad on his line, which will be good for him. But he's also going to have guys like uh, like Hayden mm-hmm. on the wing. Um, and Hayden's fine, but he's he's definitely like a, a top nine guy at best. Um, let's see. So thirty three and a half for Anisimov. I'm, I'm, that line in the first couple of games has been like pretty good with possession. I think their Corsi was like in the sixties last time I checked, but. There, I I'm, th- I'm thinking over. I think he'll have about thirty. By the way, we should come back to this after the end of the season and see how how well we predicted this stuff. Um, but you said thirty three and a half was the over under, right? Yeah, thirty three and a half was the over under. So you're saying under? I'm you're saying I'm saying under. I'm saying like like thirty, maybe upper twenties. Yeah, he has yet to record a point this season. So. Does he? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's a minus one, plus one. Uh, minus one plus minus. Um, I locked the iPad. Come on. There we go. Um, all right. So Brent Seabrook, thirty three point five points. Um, I say under. Under. Mhm. He's not. He's not currently on either power play unit. So that's going to hurt him. Yep. Not that our power play is any good at scoring goals anyway. Um, last season, last season he had 26 points. Average ice time of 20 minutes and 12 seconds. He um, has two points currently on the season. On this season. So he's on pace for 41 points. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going with under. Thinking under? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say twenty-eight. Yeah, I think, I think Hugh's gonna continue to decrease his minutes for the most part. But I think the real, the real wild card here is: does he get put on the power play at any point? Because if he's on the power play, I think he could, he could get about thirty-three and a half points. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's not on the power play, then I think it's. It could be as low as like twenty. 
Actually, I'm thinking, like, here is one of my rather notorious bold statements that I tend to make. Oh, here we go. When Murphy and Forsling come back, or Forsberg, I mean. There's For- Forsling. For- Forsling. Yeah, Forsling. When Forsling and Murphy come back, I think Seabrook's going to become the third D pairing. I think Seabrook will be moved down to the third D pairing. Probably. I, I Which is going to further hurt his chances. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a, a very bold prediction at all, actually. He, he spent quite a bit of time in the third pairing last season, and he was actually pretty effective in that role. Um, he's just, you know, he's getting old. He's, he's got I mean, a, he's only 33, which, I mean, granted for a defenseman that is a little old, but he's not that yeah. old. It's, it's pretty old for a, an NHL defenseman making that amount of money playing the physical style of game that he plays. Um, I don't know. He, he did lose weight this year, though, so we'll see uh, We'll see how much of an impact that had on, on this game. Um, all right. Uh, Henry Yokiharu points. 17.5. I'm going to say way over. Yeah. Because he's got five already in I'm four gonna, games. I am going to predict he finishes with about 35. He's he's also on the top power play unit, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say thirty five to forty. I think I think he could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Alex Debrinket goals, not points, goals. Okay. Uh, twenty seven point five. Mm, that's tough. So he had twenty eight last year. He actually had one more than Patrick Kane. Okay. And how many does he currently have on the season? I, I think it's not... I think he has one or two, right? Uh, he has four goals and three assists. Oh. 28. Or was it 27.5? 27.5. I'm thinking over. I think slightly over. Like 30. I think, yeah, I think, now he was, he was pretty streaky last year. He would, you know, he'd get like three goals in five games and then he'd go seven goals without getting on the score, or he'd go seven games without getting on the score sheet at all and then he'd get like a hat trick and then he'd go five games without a, a goal and then he'd get, you know, like two goals and an assist in a night and, uh, yeah, he was he was pretty streaky last year. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again this year. Hopefully, he's a little more consistent. But um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like in the neighborhood of 35 goals, which is a little. It's. I know that's optimistic. That's optimistic for sure. But yeah, because it's getting harder and harder to get 30, 40 goal scorers nowadays. Like, yeah. They're far and few. And you know, even guys like I might, re- I, I might actually re- revise that number downward because even guys like uh, guys like Patrick Sharp, who in their prime scored like thirty-five to forty goals, um, it took them a couple seasons to get there. So mm, I'm gonna say he's like thirty-two goals. Okay. I'm gonna say thirty-two. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm saying thirty still. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Taves' goals, 24.5. His goals again. Goals, over. 
Over? I feel like he's had a pretty good start to the season. He seems to be back to about 100%. He seems to be back to 100%. So I feel like 30-32 is reasonable for him. He's already got five. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely going to say over. I think... um, yeah, I like 30 to 35 in that range. I'm going to say 30 I'm going to say 35. 35? I think he'll get 35 goals. Um it's not on here, but wh- what about Jonathan Tate's points? Points um He's got he's maybe. got 8 through 4 games already. I would say 80. 80? About 80. Okay. So, looking through Jonathan Taves' career stats, his career high in goals is 32. Hmm. That was in the 2010-2011 season. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I would say about 30-32 is going to be the number this season. Hmm. Actually, no, I'm lying, 34. 34 is his career high in 2008-2009. Oh, so yeah. his sophomore season. Which also happens to be the only season... Where he played all eighty two games. I feel like I feel like uh, because the Hawks got off to a like a such a strong offensive start, we're gonna end up going like way over what they actually get. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna regress. Um, but um, yeah, I'll I'll stick with like I'll stick with thirty five. I think he could. Actually, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say 32. 32 is my final answer. Um, because I think he's going to get 35 now, and, now, and I'm going to regret it. I'm going to say 32. I, I, I don't know if I see him beating like his career best, but I do see him returning to like that 30-ish range. Um, he'll, he'll definitely have over 20, though. Ooh, I'll give you a little over-under What's that? that I just thought of. His face-off percentage, over under at 60%. Jonathan Tames? Mm-hmm. Uh, his face-off percentage is 61 right now. Um, he's He's got 61 wins and 39 losses. 60%. Um, I think he's going to land right around 60. I, yeah, I'm going to say... I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna say, but it's like barely over. It'll be like 61 or 62. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna be right around the same thing too. Yeah. Last season was his career high in in faceoff percentage with 61. percent So. Yeah, I, I definitely see him I, staying around. I think you're looking at this season, not last season. This oh, season that is he's this got season. 61. 57 was his oh. last season. Okay. Actually, yeah, 57.9 was last season. You're right. I'm Actually, at, I'm, I'm, you know, now that I'm looking at his his history here, he's never fifty nine percent was his worst. His rookie season. I I'm gonna change my answer. I'm gonna say under, but just like barely under. I think it'll be like fifty eight. Yep. I'm gonna say about sixty. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna say at sixty. Okay. Solid sixty. Um. Let's see. So uh, actually, here's 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 one. Um. Nick Schmaltz face-off percentage. Uh, let's say let's see over under is 
Hmm. What's he currently at? Um. Twenty-eight point nine. Um. Okay. But his last two seasons, uh, sixteen, seventeen, he was thirty point nine, and then last season he was forty point one, and then he did say that he was putting in a lot of work in his face-offs this off season. You said for over under forty. Forty-five. Forty-five. Um, say slightly under. Slightly under. Yeah, like forty-three, forty-four. Okay. Um. I'm inclined to agree. I think slightly under. Forty-three, forty-four sounds about right to me. And granted, he's um, not off to the best starts with faceoffs, but no, it's really early in the season, so. Yeah, um, he's he's had a quiet couple of games, even like offensively, he doesn't have any goals yet. He's still like four points in four games is you know good, but um, yeah, hopefully he proves me wrong. Hopefully he's like a fifty-two percent. Okay. Now actually, I hope he's like a, even like a forty-eight percent because uh, under like under like forty-five is just it's not acceptable for a second line center. Mm-hmm. Um, He's young though, so you know he gets that that leeway. Uh, all right, so Brandon Saad goals, twenty two point five. Under. Under. Mm hmm. Being on the third fourth line, he's not going to have many chances, unless the second power play unit can somehow capitalize. What if he? What if they don't keep him on that third fourth line, uh, the entire time though? Because he, he did start the season on the Kane line. Mm-hmm. Kane Schmaltz line. I mean, if he's been moved down, he really has to prove himself, so... I think that is the wild card, though. If he spends most of the season on the uh, on the third line, then it's it could easily be under. But if he's... He's also on the second power play unit. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm still sticking with under. Under? Uh, I, I'm going to predict 19, 18, between 18 and 20 goals he's going to get this season. Hmm. Especially if he stays between that third and fourth line. I think... I think just barely under. I think he'll get 22 goals. Okay. I think he'll do a little better than last season when he had 18. Uh, Duncan Keith goals, 5.5. I don't know why they're all point five. Hmm. Keith, especially if he is now second power play unit, which I feel like he's definitely gonna be replaced. I see under. Under. He had two goals last season. Mm-hmm. And I think those did. I think those came fairly late in the season too. They did. They did. They really did. Um. Uh. All right, so the three years before last season, he had 10, 9, and 6 goals. His career worst is 2. He had 2 goals last year, and he had 2 goals in 06, 07, when he was still a little baby Keith. He also had 3 goals in 12, 13. Oh, but that was the, that was the lockout shortened season, so that's like... That's, that doesn't count. Yeah, I mean, it, like that would be equal to like like 5 goals or something in a normal season. Um I think he'll get, I'm also going to say under, I think he'll get like four goals. Yeah, I mean, especially, like, I, I do see him being replaced on the second power play unit. 
Mm-hmm. All right, Corey Crawford starts. 40.5. Hmm. That's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. Because it, it really depends on health. If he plays, you know, five games and he's like, I, I don't feel so great then. Yeah, I mean, I honestly feel like that is the magic number, too, which could determine whether the Hawks make the playoffs or not. Mm-hmm. Like, that 40.5. I am going to say slightly over. I think I'll say over, too. I think I think he's going to he's gonna really push himself. I think he's... Uh, He's a competitor. He's proud. He's uh, he's gonna he's gonna go out there and he's gonna compete and he's gonna start as many games as he can. Yeah, I I think like I'm being a little safe saying slightly over, but I feel like forty five fifty would be. I like I feel like that's those are the numbers for Crow, forty five fifty. Um, I'm gonna say. I'll say 50. I think I'll start about 50. Um, Blackhawks season points in the standings. 87.5. I mean, considering where we are right now, that's not... That's not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. I would say slightly over. Slightly over. I think 89.90. I think, I think over. I think they'll get around ninety-two. Um, I don't know that that'll be enough to get them into the playoffs, though, uh, especially in this division. Yeah, because Nashville and Winnipeg are a lock for the top two. You got Colorado, which was a little resurgent last season. They just barely, they just barely missed the playoffs. I think Dallas and St. Louis could fight for that number three spot. Because St. Louis, they missed the playoffs last year, but they made a lot of big moves. They got Patrick Maroon. They got Ryan O'Reilly. Minnesota. Although, I think Jake Allen is their big wild card. Because if he doesn't perform consistently, and he's proven to be inconsistent in the past, we don't know that. Because they don't have Carter Hutton anymore either. Now he's starting uh, over in Buffalo. Uh, They've got an unproven guy backing him up whose name I don't even know. So, I don't know. If, I don't know. If, if Allen has a tough season and Corey Crawford comes back and he's healthy and our defense is solid, not great, but solid, then I could see us, you know, in the same range as St. Louis. But, um... Yeah, I could see the Hawks being a wild card team this season. Yeah, I, I think wild card, but, like, wild card at best. Yeah, no, I don't see them winning the division at all. That, okay, that's we, a long shot. We, we abs- the, the Hawks absolutely will not win the division, I think. At, at, that's either going to be Winnipeg or Nashville. I mean, it would um, take both those teams, like, dying like a plane accident or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, yeah, I, I think wild card at best. All right, so we're both saying over the 85 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, Blackhawks season wins, 39.5 over under. Oof. I mean, to hit that number, you kind of go over, so. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. We're, I mean, those overtime games. Right now, we're on pace for 41-0-41, which is good for 123 points. That's, <laughs> so if we, if we theoretically stayed on that pace, then we could win the President's Trophy. 
That's very true. Um, that won't happen, of course. But uh, so let me see. Um, uh, I mean, honestly, I feel like anything under that threshold, even even forty, I don't think would even be good enough to keep Q. Yeah, you think so? I think they have to win a, a little. Actually, like I think. No, now that I think about it, if they go any lower than that number, that threshold, Q's gone. Hmm. So I think between 40 and 45 wins would be would be ideal <laughs> for the team. I, so, I, I don't know. I think that's really pushing it because oh, yeah. we, had, we had 33 wins last year. We missed the playoffs. We had 50 wins the year before that when we won the conference mm-hmm. in the regular season. Um, Division. Uh, we won both. We had the best record in the in the Western Conference. All right. You're in 16-17 right, 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 right. when we got swept by Nashville. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Don't remind and then, me. The season didn't happen. <laughs> uh, let's see. So uh, 14-15, we had 48 wins that was the cup year mm-hmm. uh, I'm not even gonna look at 13 because we only played 48 games um, we had 52 wins in 09 and 10 uh, but all the other years we had uh, 44 45 46 48 47 uh, and we were, we were there was they're a good team then so I'm gonna say that's that's tough. I feel like they'll get about forty wins. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say just slightly over. I think they'll get about forty wins. Yeah, cause I feel like anything less than that, and there's a very good chance that Q would be canned at the mm-hmm. end of the season. The the dog just yawned. It's funny. Um. Okay. Yeah. So those are our. Predictions. Oh, you know, I don't think I ever gave an over under for Schmaltz's points. Um, what did, what do we say? Like sixty? Sixty? I I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> All right. Uh, Short term memory loss. Yeah. Let's let's just do that one more time. So Schmaltz, let's say uh, points on the season. We'll say. I'll say sixty five. Over under. I think under. Under? Mm-hmm. I forgot what I said, but I think it was under. <laughs> um, he had like 52 points or something last season. I think he'll get... I think he's going to be around that same number. I'm going to say over. I think he'll get just under 70. I think he'll get like 68 points. Okay. I mean, it's not unreasonable, but I feel like at the same time, like these numbers are throwing out, would be the Hawks like far surpassing expectations that everyone has for them this season. So that's that's true. Um, I think optimists. <laughs> I I think I think the first four seasons, excuse me, the first four games of this season when they've been so uh, offensively dynamic. Um, and like the glaring holes are have been the goaltending and the defense, which hopefully will be fixed by like you know November December. 
those, I don't know, it's hard to call. Yeah, I mean, especially if the team is going to keep um, just with the high offensive output. Yeah. I mean, I could see all those numbers being passed and surpassed because the yeah. offense is just blowing away the expectations of the team as a whole, which mm-hmm. I feel like in some cases, if the offense can stay consistent like that, it's going to end up winning the teams more, winning the team more games than they should be losing, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this it sounds a bit to me like the um, th- this is this is before I started watching the Hawks, but I think it was like the like the thirteen fourteen season when like Crawford wasn't quite like the Vesna caliber goaltender that he is now, but the Hawks were still a huge threat because they had, um, well, all right, they still had. They still had amazing. They still had amazing defense, um, but they were they were scoring a lot of goals, mm-hmm. which offset like their their goaltending deficiencies. They also had who did they have as backup goaltender in thirteen fourteen? Oh God, who was it? Was was Darling with them then? Because they had Emery before that. I they think it, I think them. it was Emery actually. You still at Emory? I think so. Let's look it up. It was 2013-2014 season, right? Yeah. Let's see. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Ray Emory. Because Emory was part of the reason why the Hawks got off to that really huge start, hot start in the 2012-2013 season when they won the President's Trophy. Yeah. So, do, 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 do. goalie, 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 um, goalie. Uh, Kabi Bulin? Kabi Bulin. Bulin, Auntie Ranta. Uh, Auntie Ranta. And Kent Simpson. Interesting. Maybe it was Ranta. It was Ranta I'm thinking about. Okay, um, but that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, we'll probably be doing these podcasts like every other week or so. Um, uh, send us feedback uh, if you like this podcast and rate us five stars on iTunes or whatever your podcast listening service of choice is if you don't like us then uh, uh, don't rate us uh, uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter I'm at Luke Stanberry you can also reach out to our official uh, Twitter account which is at sweaterpod I wanted it to be sweater weather pod, but there's like a character limit, so I'm making everything sweater pod, which is sounds like a some kind of clothing time capsule or something. <laughs> I don't know, um, but yeah. So we will uh, uh, you'll hear from us all. You all will hear from us again in probably two weeks or so. So uh, this has been sweater weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.